Hey, hey, welcome to your weekly Corner Spatey. Uh, this is our third time trying this now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's your boy, Nick. Uh, join next to me is Yulia. Hi. I got Kieran on the call. Pierogi. <laughs> <laughs> Ross. Hey. And we, we oh, oh Rob's God, there. Rob okay, I thought we lost Rob again. <laughs> and uh, we have our fourth time on the show, Milo Edwards from Trash Future. Not only is it my fourth time on the show, it's my third time on this episode, which is <laughs> extremely exciting. I mean, like, I, the listeners cannot know how many times we have tried and failed to begin recording this episode. I suspect mm. we're being sabotaged by the FSB. I think we yeah. are, too. And the I, real horror of all of this is Milo has a setup of podcast recording similar to that of The Prestige, where a version of Milo <laughs> is cloned and then dies in between every recording. And <laughs> yeah, like, I remember everything that happened before, but I don't know if it was really me. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers so, for The Prestige, I guess. Yeah, mm. so this week we thought we'd have Milo on because we want to talk about Russia because there's a bunch of stuff that's been happening in Russia this week, which I'll get into in a second, but we're not going to really talk about that. We just want to like, what is Russia as a vibe? (laughs) So our vibes expert for Russia is Milo. I mean, I don't know how accurate that is, but at least in my opinion, you are. (laughs) I'm the the closest person you have to a Russia vibes expert. That's what we can say. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you apparently are also a, uh, um, uh, what a, a russian bot what was the whole thing that twitter said oh uh, yeah well so ever since i had my run-in with the ukrainian nationalists back in like <laughs> november or october whenever that was uh when, when you where... joined azov battalion just by accident that's no no the other way around i i made the azov battalion really mad <laughs> Um, uh yeah i'm on this like ukrainian far white right website under a list of people who are like russian war criminals in quotation marks uh so that's very fun um Mm. yeah i did a thread taking the piss out of it and then loads of like uh ukrainian flag twitter natsec libs they're all american they're all like american (laughs) guys who live in dc and work at like the david Frum institute for regime change or whatever and then (laughs) and then accuse you of like abetting genocide because you've been to crimea or whatever it's like it's very normal um but yeah recently i i've been just like boiling a lot of centrist piss um both because of like i took the piss out there are a bunch of like centrist journalists who are whining about how they keep getting bullied on the internet for their stupid opinions. Uh, and I took the piss out of them and they got really mad at me. Uh, and then, uh, and then subsequent to that, Oh, cause this week, the fucking Navalny shit. Um, I did, I did a thread explaining why all the takes saying that, uh, protesting in Russia is way more dangerous than protesting in America are really fucking stupid. And then even more Natsec libs got really angry at me. So it's been a great week. They, they love accusing me of being a Russian bot, especially when I take the piss out of their Ukrainian flag emojis, because Mm. their politics is basically, if you're not a Ukrainian nationalist, you must be a Russian nationalist. And it's like, no, (laughs) both your countries are equally stupid. Yeah. I don't think there's any flag Twitter that isn't insidious, except for like rainbow flag Twitter and maybe Palestinian flag Twitter are the only safe ones. Mm. Sure. German yeah. flag Twitter, sus. Oh, Israeli oh, flag dangerous. Twitter is terrible. <laughs> yeah, EU absolute. flag Twitter, awful. Psychotic. Oh, God. EU flag Twitter is like, those guys are dog fuckers for sure. <laughs> Rich millennials and business freaks who all think I'm their friend <laughs> don't like it. No, Because absolute. I know what... Because I know what's happening in, like, Slovakian electoral politics. I must be their friend. Mm. Fuck off. I mean, you, 
you're my friend, Kieran. I am your friend, Nick. Never change. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we thought, I, I mean, I'm, I'm misinformed here. I thought that because Milo was a Russian bot, we could have him on to talk about Russia. But, you know, nonetheless, mm-hmm. he's here. He's going to be our, yeah, like like I said, our, our vibes expert. And um, I guess I want to do just a little quick rundown. Milo did mention the Navalny stuff that happened this week. So I feel that that's kind of important. Uh, like I said, we're not going to get too in-depth about it because, you know, go read something about it. I don't know. <laughs> read theory or whatever those, you know, those tankies bully you on Twitter for. Um, read some Stalin. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so last week, Navalny left um, our wonderful place, Berlin, Germany, where Mm -hmm. he was being kept after he had his, literally had his balls poisoned. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it gets me. (laughs) What? uh, Having a man getting their balls poisoned? Poison is stored in the balls. (laughs) 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 My hatred of Vladimir Putin is, of course, stored in the balls. That's right. And, um, yeah, so he leaves Berlin on his, you know, big jet plane to Russia. Mm. And probably the funniest detail of all of this is that our boy spent his last moments in freedom binge watching Rick and Morty. He spent oh, no. <laughs> did you not see that, Milo? I did so not good. see that. It was like someone tweeting, someone who was on the plane with him. Yeah, like eight like rows back. A couple of rows back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tweeted a photo being like, look at this brave man about to return <laughs> to Moscow. Not realizing that he caught in a shot what was on his laptop. And it was like Rick and Morty. And everyone <laughs> just retweeted it being like, this man watching Rick and Morty. This MF eating beans. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. MF eating pickle Rick. That's actually, I mean, he's going for the gamer vote. Yeah, yeah, which could be very big in Russia. I mean, CSGO is still a thing, right? Yeah, Pe- yeah, absolutely. People in Russia love Rick and Morty. I mean, well, I, I say people in Russia. I mean, like, uh, what you have to understand is that in it, Russia is like kind of like five to ten years behind any sort of like cultural wave that hits the West. So stuff that here is considered sort of like passe or like nerd shit in Russia can be extremely cool. So like liking Rick and Morty in Russia is like liking the Sopranos in like the West. <laughs> like as in it's like it's like a cool thing to like that like people like edgy people are into it. Like you know what I mean? Mm. It's like that kind of like uh it's not it's not nerd shit. It's stuff that you only know about if you can like speak English or whatever. So it's like kind of like uh, it's like cool people like it. Um he's which is very a, funny. Yeah, he's starting like a podcast reviewing every episode. Uh not yet, not yet, but maybe I will. <laughs> Talking Rick and Morty. Uh yeah. But um, yeah, so so Navalny makes it back to Russia. Uh, surprise, surprise! He is immediately arrested uh, for whatever the charges were against him previously. Yeah. Eating a meal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, a, a, a fine Chinese meal. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Mister Navalny was quoted as saying, "Get your hand off my penis." <laughs> <laughs> And while while uh, uh, when Navalny was arrested, he immediately then makes public, uh, like the day that he gets back into Russia, a two hour long YouTube video that your boy, um, I assume no one else watched this but me. Oh, God, no. Um, what? Parts. Yeah, Yulia watched parts of it. Mm, talks a lot. Where um, <laughs> he, like, right when it. <laughs> where like, he unboxes over a hundred Funko Pops. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I would watch video. that. I mean, if you yeah. mean by Funko Pops, you mean just like all of Vladimir Putin's 
buds, then you're not Friends. too far off. All know? of Vladimir Putin's very valuable Funko Pops. <laughs> <laughs> Where did he get the money for all of these Funko Pops? This one is Fabergé. Hey, YouTube fan, it's me, your boy, Navalny, and I am unboxing a Black Sea <laughs> Hotel that's owned by three people. That's right. Yeah, Two so- of whom are dead. yeah so navani goes for you know the thing that i thought was the funniest is that before the video even starts because he knows that you're not going to get through all two hours of this he's just like (laughs) meet me on the streets on the 23rd of january and you know we will protest against putin and then just like you can just stop the video there just be done like you know no reason but you know i I wanted to see i wanted to see what he was going to talk about Mm. so he just kind of breaks down all the you know yeah the literally exactly what you just said but without funko pop (laughs) (laughs) of um you know putin has this like slush fund and he has all this money coming from every industry in russia and how all the billionaires and everyone that he knew from you know not all the billionaires just like some yeah anyway his billionaires his yeah only his yeah his friends from saint petersburg you know his crew petersky clan Mm. and uh what's it called silaviki so the the, yeah. the ex KGB. Oh yeah. yeah, his boys, mm. his boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he does he he does that. You know, the nineties crazy time in Eastern Europe was we've all talked about, and then starts saying that then Vladimir Putin's built this massive palace on the Black Sea that no one can get to, and that then you know he kind of breaks down what's in the palace. He like had it like fucking camera. Mordor. This shit. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a perilous um, journey to Vladimir Putin's palace. <laughs> Yeah, like he has his bros do like a, a drone, and then they fly over it, and it has like mm. a, it has a vineyard. It has you know uh, uh, one of my favorite. Uh, here's just a list of three things I thought that were, that were my favorite. Um, it cost over a billion dollars to build. That's dollars, not rubles, because rubles mm. aren't a real currency. Um, That's right. It has it has a hookah lounge that can transform into a strip club if needed be. <laughs> That's beautiful. I mean, what you're describing is any Russian hookah lounge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, wait, wait. So, does it have like extra large tables? Where no, no, no. It just has a part of the uh, like parts of the hookah lounge will have like stripper poles come the out. The pole of it. comes yeah. out of the hookah. I was uh, I was yeah, having so a conversation with one of your Western <laughs> leaders. He explains to me that uh, he has hookah lounge, which does not function as strip club. I said to him, "No, what you have is some kind of gay smoking area." <laughs> <laughs> But um, apparently there's also a, a casino, which, if I'm not mm, mistaken, mm. casinos are illegal in Russia. Uh, it depends. It depends where you are, because Russia or if you're is Vladimir federal. That, yeah, well, obviously. I mean, a lot. I mean, like murdering people is technically illegal in Russia, <laughs> but like you know, uh, it really depends who you are. But and if who you it's know. federal, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah, in the autonomous Jewish oblast, murder whoever you like. Uh, that is not legal <laughs> advice. <laughs> We've given up on this, like, Jewish oblast thing, so it's now just the purge, I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the autonomous purge oblast. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and one of my favorite things was a thing called an aqua disco that I did not know what it was, so I had to look it <laughs> Yes, up. yes. Sorry. It sounded like a, like a Eurodance band from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. he got yeah. Eiffel 65, but, like, Russified them. No, no, you're, you're literally thinking of aqua, the Danish band that made right. Barbie Girl. I know. <laughs> that sounds, that does sound like it would be in, like, the basement of Berghain. <laughs> yeah, come to oh, the God. aqua disco. It's not exactly water, but it is liquid. Well, <laughs> it's also yeah, uh, Berlusconi's water lair. The like mm. one weird Berlusconi thing we didn't get to when we did the Berlusconi episode is his like underwater cave lair thing that he has. 
then huh. maybe that's where he got it from because it just <laughs> apparently is a pool that's very big that you can like order drinks from and like from the pool it has in just, like, just get a big jug the and <laughs> <At> the, <pool. laughs> the, wa- oh, okay. the, the water like, is martini do i have to dive for the drink no 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 it's like you lounge in the water and then it's uh, like i guess music plays so like a normal music, pool like a normal pool that okay. has drinks <laughs> and mm. you can maybe dance i don't know i'm not a fucking <laughs> russian oligarch i'm not creative <laughs> I'm not <laughs> Silvio Berlusconi. We're just bullying it out of Nick that he wasn't invited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, like, the Russian oligarchs, the reason why they get to have that much money is that they're the only people who are deranged enough to spend it. And if you oh, could yeah, come yeah, up yeah. with something as chaotic as an aqua disco, you too could be a Russian oligarch. <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite part of the video, too, was in, like, all these... like So there, there were a few of, like, Putin's, like, you know, ex-friends that Navalny, like, interviewed. And the, my favorite... Fake friends. Flex, <laughs> my favorite flex very, these people they've been very unfair to me they've said a lot of things about about me Vladimir Putin a lot of things are very nasty <laughs> my favorite flex of all of them is they all have like matching Cartier glasses oh nice which is it's like it is that thing of just seeing these like bulbous Russian bald dudes with just a pair of glasses that are like weirdly tinted and they're like with diamonds mm. all over it <laughs> Oh, Russian guys love shopping in airport duty-free. They love that shit. They love spending like $5,000 on a pair of sunglasses, but that's like next to a giant novelty Toblerone. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I mean, there was a few other things, you know, like like I said, there's there's the vineyard, there's this, mm. there's that. But the video itself was like, like I've, I, I kind of feel that at the end of the day that it's like, I'm. I for one wasn't like all that surprised. I was expecting way more of than this being. I mean, because like that day on the 23rd that he called everyone to go out and protest, um, we saw all the videos of just like the Russians who have literally no regard for their own life, just like deciding to like take on uh, the police. Yeah, with snowballs. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, those protests like have been going on you know it, like this this video uh, uh went around on russian social media more so than any other navalny's videos and the thing that then i think is maybe one of the weirdest things of the discord kind of something of the, sorry not the discord the discord was the platform mm. that we were on that wasn't working <laughs> of the discourse is that then it's like it's really hard to kind of navigate who what why Navalny is and what politics in Russia are because we only can really process it through our own Western brains of like, oh, okay, Navalny, racist, very problematic. Uh, uh, Literally nobody says that. Like when you look, when you ask people here, though. What do you mean? Hmm. Like nobody says that. No, I was a big fan of Navalny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're just like, oh, well, he's not Putin. So it's like, yeah, but it's like, (laughs) and then. You have very I, small Western brain. You struggle to understand extremely complex Russian politics, <laughs> which are to do with which guy has shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, my first reaction after watching this video, though, was I messaged Milo and I was like, hey, like, I ruined my brain on this. Have you seen this? And Milo's like, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> 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 but it's like, I, I think- mean, Navalny is a lot like Jeff Tiedrich. 
in the sense that like Hell he's yeah. just in in Vladimir Putin's mentions just saying like yeah but you stole all this money all the time and it's like yeah everyone yeah. already knows that like you either like Putin or you don't but no one thinks that he didn't steal all that money like the yeah, people who okay, like exactly. Putin know he stole the money and they don't care so it's like a weird it's like kind of like yeah Navalny's right about this stuff but also like who like evidently no one cares or like the amount of people that care hasn't reached the critical mass that it matters yeah. Yeah. So, like, like, pe- yeah. Oh, go on, Kieran. So, I, I'm kind of curious is like, we did see footage that uh, of people like supposedly taking to the street and the snowballs and the police officers that I saw you sharing, Milo, and stuff. Oh, yeah. I, is, it, is it kind of your assessment that these people were already Navalny fans or like were broadly in agreement with Navalny's points? Did you don't think he's basically converted anyone? I uh, I mean I I think that generally speaking his support base uh, like is growing and has been growing in the last kind of like uh, I don't know like five or six years I mean they mm-hmm. they murdered Nemtsov in what 2013, 2014? Um, mm. allegedly was... allegedly <laughs> yeah I just said they I didn't say who did it uh, <laughs> it was the like... Saudis of course <laughs> yeah that's right always the Saudis Nemtsov moonwalked off that bridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, some grey wolves murdered Boris Nemtsov. Um well you know the what's really funny about the murder of Boris Nemtsov is that they caught the two guys who actually physically did it, who were these two guys who'd been discharged from the Chechen special forces like literally two days before. And um which is very normal, uh to just immediately get out of the Chechen special forces and then off your own back commit a highly politicized murder. Yes. Something Always which happens, happens all the time. Um <laughs> And uh, and the Moscow police arrested them, like, with the gun. And then the Chechen government persuaded the Moscow MVD to send them back to Chechnya for trial. And the Chechen mm-hmm. government was like, we'll get to the bottom of this. Like, uh, those guys fucking disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, of course, Putin has no allies in Chechnya, so I can't see how you could draw a line between that and Vladimir Putin. No, um, of course not. <laughs> Anyway, so, yeah, I mean, like, Russian politics is a huge fucking mess. Uh, I would say that Russia doesn't really have politics in the way that we understand politics. Like, because, I mean, uh, you you see a lot of takes where people are like, oh, well, Navalny's just, like, not Putin. Is that his whole deal? And it's like, well, yeah, literally, that is his entire deal. Like, mm-hmm. in Russia, politics is basically limited to uh, Putin, not Putin, or more Putin. Um, <laughs> so the more Putin guy is Jirinovsky, and he's just kind of there to make Putin look good. Like, you know, Putin will say something like, yes. oh, we are going to invade the Ukraine. And then, like, and then Zhirinovsky will say, yes, and also, we, we should murder that. all of their women and children. And Putin exactly. is like, this is unreasonable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone is like, Mr. Putin, very reasonable man. Um, uh Zhirinovsky's entire party is, like, basically funded by the Kremlin. It's all, like, very funny. Um, and so Navalny, I think a lot of, uh, like generally speaking, young people in Russia are like quite, they're more westernized than their parents. They're more in favor of kind of like democracy and scare quotes and Navalny and all that kind of shit. Like particularly in the big cities, like if you're talking, uh, Moscow, St. Petersburg, whatever, like they're very like liberal and quite anti-Putin cities. Um, that doesn't mean they get to elect liberal and anti-Putin politicians, like because I remember when I 
uh, first moved to Russia, they had some big mayoral elections where uh, Navalny stood in those, actually. Um, mm. And, I mean, he should win a Moscow mayoral election. Like, people in Moscow are pretty in favor of him. But he mysteriously lost to the then relatively un- unknown Sabyanin, who was, like, the Putin candidate, who is now, like, the kind of god-king of the city of Moscow. And uh, every summer has all of the roads in the city dug up by his wife's construction company, who mysteriously have all of the contracts. Um <laughs> That's kind of by the by. But yeah, so like, um, I would say that uh, Navalny does have a genuine broad base of popular support in Russia. I don't really know how broad it is, but certainly if you're talking like young urban people. But I don't think that like this has particularly been a sea change. I mean, like last mm, summer 2019, there were huge riots in Moscow because they arrested that... um, journalist uh i can't remember what his name is now uh they arrested a journalist basically who'd been involved in some like expose of government corruption and uh like millions of people turned out until they let him go so like this kind of shit has happened before i wouldn't necessarily read into it that it's like oh okay this time they're gonna get his ass because i don't think so but i would say that in general in the last like four or five years this kind of the size and intensity of these protests has been growing as has the kind of government response Fair enough. Yeah, it seems like it's. Um, I get the maybe I get the impression that when you say politics doesn't really work in Russia in the same way, this mm. all seems kind of very like reaction. Like, is there like a positive drive to really change things, or is it just when the government does something we don't like, we take to the streets, and that's maybe the extent of it? That's what happens most often. But I mean, Mm. generally speaking, like under normal circumstances, when Navalny is kind of doing his thing, he will routinely organize protests and stuff about like X, Y or Z. Like it's not just when they throw him in jail, then there's a big protest. Like he does regularly organize kind of protests in favor of democracy or whatever. They'll organize lots of things around elections, obviously. Um, because, you know, the elections inevitably get rigged and like kind of it's what's very funny about the way Russians rig elections is that they don't really bother hiding it. Like, um, I remember it was in 2018. They had some elections, which was just when I was leaving and they did this thing. They were like, these elections will be most free and fair elections we have ever had. There will be camera in every polling station. And like pretty much in every polling station, they had positioned things in front of the camera so that you couldn't see what was going on. (laughs) And in the ones where they hadn't, you just saw these like old women in like Yadina Rasia bibs just like fucking stuffing ballots into ballot boxes. Sick. (laughs) I heard like, I heard reports of that 2018 election of just like rural Russian people being like given bags of rice to vote certain ways and things like that. I don't know how true that is. That seems very. It wouldn't. It wouldn't entirely surprise me. I don't know if that's true or not. But like, yeah. I mean, the the, the thing is though, and I would often say this about Russian elections, and I think like the the referendum in Crimea is probably a good example of this, which is that like <clears throat> a lot of the time. Putin can win an election on his own, off his own back. Like, he doesn't really need to rig these elections a lot of the time because, like, he is genuinely popular. Um, yeah. It's a bit like, I think, uh, in a lot of the ways, it kind of maps onto Trump in the sense that I think, like, liberals underestimate Putin and they, un- like, they assume that he's, like, this big bad guy, like, kind of Dracula figure who everyone hates. 
but that's mm. not really the case. I mean, like he is. I mean, he might be a very bad dude, but he is quite popular with like a vast swathe of the population. Whether it's like over fifty percent, I don't know. But like, you meet a fuck of a lot of people in Russia who fucking love Vladimir Putin. Um, and so, like, in a lot of places, Putin will just be the most popular candidate. Um, and I think that that referendum in Crimea was a good example in the sense that I I reckon they probably did rig it, but I don't reckon they necessarily needed to. Like, yeah. generally speaking, Crimea, there probably was a majority of people who consider themselves Russian. Um, but the only it's like one of those things where, well, what difference does it make? Right. The point is that, like, whether they rigged it or not, the result is the same. And what you know is that if they if they needed to rig it, they would have done. Um, and that's, I guess, the important takeaway. That's very similar to, like, any any decent analysis of, like, Hungarian elections. Oh, just, God. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, why is Orban so, like, how did Orban win with 80%? It was like, well, answer one, he's not very popular. He gerrymandered the country. And answer two, he actually is very popular among certain people. So, he didn't need to gerrymander the country, but he did. And he's won by loads. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing that you brought up to me, like, just in private was, um, I don't know if it was a joke or if you meant it seriously, but the amount of... Uh, people in russia who think that po- like every politician's gay who isn't vladimir putin <laughs> i don't remember saying that but that's pretty funny uh that's a pretty good I mean, bit it sound, by, like uh, that's the thing is i couldn't make out if it was real or if it was if it was just something of you just just being i mean being being the funny guy that you are so um, i guess yeah i don't know i mean like it's definitely uh it's hard to sort of explain. Like, I think there is a very, I mean, particularly when you're talking about non-Russian politicians, like there's a whole thing in Russia, I think where a lot of people, and even this includes like sometimes reasonably kind of like outward looking or liberal people. They think that kind of uh, like everyone in the West has lost their minds with political correctness and that we're kind of, um, we're weak because of this. And so I, it would often happen to me, I would get back to Moscow and then you chat to like some friend of a friend or whatever. And they'd be like, Oh, you must be very glad to be back in Moscow. And I'm like, uh, why? And then they're like, well, because it's very safe here. And I'm like, what do you mean it's safe here? Like, it's like there's <laughs> ice on the roads, like six months of the year and everyone drunk drives. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, then, and then they're like, no, but from terrorism. I'm like, again, uh, like what? Um, and they're like, no, because in London there is so much terrorism. And I'm like, no, there isn't. They're like, well, because of all these Muslims that you allow into your country. And I'm like, do you, do you think people in London are constantly being murdered by terrorists? Like, what? But that is kind of, that's the news cycle in Russia. It's like, it's constantly like, and meanwhile in the West, they are being murdered by Muslims again because they are pussies. <laughs> Actually? <laughs> Basically, yeah. That's kind of. I mean, like, I'm parodying it slightly, but that is that no, is no, kind of, course, of the yeah. tone. Yeah. I mean, an it analogy is. that I often draw is that I think that um, Russia is very similar to the U.S. in in an, an analogous sense, in that like they're both massive countries in terms of landmass with big populations, but also where within that country you have like fucking seven shades of shit in terms of what's going on because like you've got your big metropolises like your kind of your new york's your los angeles your chicago's which are very much like your moscow's st petersburg vladivostok whatever but then in the middle you've got all this fucking just shit going on where no one ever goes anywhere like you're kind of like your midwest your deep south whatever um 
and like those people in Russia have a very similar mentality to the people in America in those kind of rural conservative communities in the sense that like they kind of watch TV, which is generally extremely reactionary. They get most of their views from that, but they have the mentality of like, yeah, this is a big fucking country. Everyone else is a pussy. Like we'll shit on whoever, like that kind of thing. Um, and they don't like go anywhere outside of their immediate area or experience anything. And so their kind of worldview is extremely colored by that. And similarly, they really don't like their own elites in the same way that like a lot of your kind of like rural Trump voters really hate coastal liberals. Uh, a lot of these rural people in Russia like really hate kind of like, oh, like this kind of like, oh yeah, like they think everyone in Moscow is gay, like all that kind of shit. <laughs> it's the same, like it's the same thing over and over. Like so I, I actually think that it's funny that America and Russia are so polarized politically from each other because the actual internal structure of the demographics and the ways in which those people in those countries relate to each other is incredibly analogous. Yeah, but that's I, yeah. I, now that you've like mentioned that way, yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> but that's the, like that's the whole rub, right? Because if some like um, I don't know boat dealer in uh, the U.S. or I should say like the son of a boat dealer who like I don't know is addicted to vent and someone from Siberia who like, I don't know, fights his friends all the time, works at Radio Shack or whatever the stereotype is, they would get along great. And that would Those be bad for the, you know, the political organizations of the countries. Like mm. they, because part of the political understanding is that like, yeah, there's the rest of the world. It, I don't really care what goes on there. I just have like a very one dimensional view of it. And that serves, I mean, that serves the people in power more than them. Well, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that that is, that is true. I mean, there's the whole thing about having an enemy, right? Uh, it's always very useful. And something you'll often notice about people in, like, even very conservative and extremely nationalist people in Russia is that they don't, they don't hate the West that much. They're very suspicious of the West, but they kind of, like... They they also like they love Western cultural signifiers. Like they love meeting Westerners. They're very fascinated by them. And like the people that they really hate are kind of like the same boogeymen that a lot of those people in the in the US hate, like Muslim terrorists or like whatever. Um and a lot of Russian conservatives are very cherry about the fact that because of the kind of strategic geopolitical game that Putin has been playing, which has been to get very cozy with China, like they really don't like the Chinese and they don't trust the Chinese and they would genuinely be much more comfortable being in bed with the Americans or the Europeans. Yeah, because I've often, like uh, last time I kind of checked in with Russia, which was a fucking decade ago because like any mm. sensible person who looks at russia for more than five seconds is like this is too big this is too nebulous it's I don't a chaos to... rune don't do it <laughs> yeah i'm gonna turn into uh jesus yeah it's 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 a, it's a horrifying pandora's box but like I, like last heard i i heard these reports of just like people in siberia getting fucking pissed at the chinese in particular because they were just selling like siberian land to like chinese companies uh agricultural and manufacturing like just for like pennies on the dollar kind of thing. Just like, here's a huge tract of land for you to do your kind of like your capitalist project or whatever. And now the, I don't know, like China kind of rolling in seems to be this kind of anti-globalization kind of thing to these people. Mm. Well, um, yeah. 
There's a like, I mean, there's so much like kind of uh, Russians are very proud of their huge integral territory territory right like mm. that's a big thing because like at, at this point in modern russia like everything kind of sucks dick you haven't got much else to be excited about other than like well it's really big like so they're kind <laughs> of like a lot of russian like right-wingers are very anxious about any russian territory being lost including to the point where um on the russian podcast we started joking about uh we were like what is like the shittiest town you could go to and we found there's this town called hassan which is on the border with north korea and oh, um, and then we found ourselves on some message board for the town of Hassan, and there were like some <laughs> local residents who were getting really furious because the border there between North Korea and Russia is a river, and depending yeah. on the time of year and the weather, the river can sort of like move in either direction. So sometimes like North Korea gets a little bit bigger and Russia gets a little bit smaller, and people were getting so mad about this, <laughs> they were like <laughs> that like geography was stealing part of Russia. <laughs> um. But I mean, yeah, like I think that a lot of Russians are very uncomfortable with uh, the kind of current geopolitical arrangement because they're more nostalgic for the Soviet Union for all kinds of reasons, if you're a Russian conservative, which is this Mm. plays into this other weird thing where like uh, a lot of Russians who are really conservative say that they're Marxists because when they were growing up, that's Mm. what the conservative viewpoint was. Um, and they're not Marxist doctrinally at all. They just like want the Soviet Union back, and that's what they, they just mean. Want vibes? Yeah, exactly. They well, want they want that to be a KGB. That's what's so American too, because it's like that's I don't know much, but I know that that's when like things were good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. When Reagan getting back zombie Reagan, um, and so yeah, like. Yeah. Those guys are really uh, kind of intense, but that tells you a lot about the way that they think. So they're very anxious about this uh, relationship with China and about giving away land and shit like that, which is, I mean, again, how much of that is really strategy and how much of that is just local corrupt officials who are like either Putin is unable to adequately control or he chooses not to adequately control because it's too much effort? I don't know. It's always hard to say with that shit. Like... I think with half the stuff they do geopolitically, you can draw that kind of uh, analogy. Like, I mean, with that shit in Salisbury, with the fucking uh, giving people ner- nerve agent in ZZs, like, I could quite easily believe that that's some guy in the GRU or the FSB just got, like, they thought they were being clever. And then Putin found out about that and was like, what the fuck? That was so dumb. Because um, <laughs> that kind of shit happens all the time. But they, they close ranks. So you'll never, like, the Russian government will never say this was a rogue agent or whatever. Like that, you'll never know know that so it's impossible to say mm. but i think that there's a real geopolitical tension with russia and china in the sense that uh russia has shitloads of land that it doesn't need and china has a lot of people that it doesn't always have space for and so like i think and also like yeah. the russians kind of know that the chinese would absolutely shit on them in any kind of armed conflict and also that they don't have any allies really anymore and so, like, I think there's this sort of, like, weird tension there where they're kind of keeping their Asian neighbors happy by, like, kind of throwing them a bone or whatever. Um, just a weird fact is that there are actual North Korean labor camps in Siberia yeah. uh, that are run by North Korean soldiers. And then they have, like, a, a barbed wire fence and then, like, a row of Russian soldiers on the outside. Now, that's what I call a special autonomous zone. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And inside there, you can do whatever, baby. Yeah, because like the 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 
Yeah, because that whole, like, I liked the Soviet Union thing is is very hard to separate from, I actually liked when Russia was bigger and we were the second most powerful country in the world. Mm. And now the second most powerful country in the world is, like, undoubtedly China. Yeah. And there has been all these, like, slow things. Like, I always get wilded out and forget that, like, the independent nation state of Mongolia uses the Cyrillic alphabet for their language. Mm. And that was like a that was a sign of the ussr's like ability to have like soft power like use our alphabet for your mm. language but now mongolia it apparently just makes it is easier too i mean if you just can like read well, everyone's shit like let's be yeah, honest mongolian's I, original alphabet's impossible to read <laughs> oh yeah no like they, they they the mongolians in mongolia have much better like uh, tech literacy because it's much easier to type with cyrillic than it is with like mongolian script mm. um but like the thing that the thing that happens now at Mongolia, as far as I understand, is Ulaanbaatar is just like this um, Chinese lads on tour uh, city now. It, it's to like rich Chinese people what like Amsterdam is to like somewhat rich like home counties dads. Uh, to right. just like yeah, so that's like the the sign of how things have switched, and like I think Russia or people who are close to Mongolia or China or something can mm. see that. Like, Mongolians no longer come to Russia for work, they go to China for work. Yeah, because actually Kazakhstan recently ditched Cyrillic as well mm, um, yeah. for writing Kazakh. I mean, obviously, there's still lots of Russian speakers in Kazakhstan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, like, Russia still very much has a sphere of influence in that part of the world. I mean, probably less so in kinds of Mongolia, but if you're talking about the stands and, like, mm. uh, Eastern Europe, I mean, like... Belarus is completely culturally Russian. Like they watch entirely Russian TV. Like Belarusian as a language is only spoken by like ten percent of the population uh, in any meaningful way. Like they are like basically a client state with Lukashenko in charge. Um, and like Eastern Ukraine, kind of similarly. Um, and then a lot of the a lot of even the Caucasus and stuff, they still really gravitate to Russia as like, well, if you want to move somewhere and make some money, that's where you go. Armenia is still very much in Russia's sphere of influence because um, they, as far Armenia as I remember, they've part of that. Yeah, Armenia is part of that really weird like counter NATO thing that Russia tried to make. But Armenia is like one of the only countries who's like actually enthusiastic about it because they're one of the only countries that's just like continuously threatened with armed conflict, either from Turkey yeah. or Azerbaijan. They view Russia as the protector against Azerbaijan. Damn right. Is, mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that is kind of fascinating. But like China is definitely going after the stands, like the Central Asian republics. That's mm. like where the Belt and like they need them for the Belt and Road project. Well, yeah, and I mean like what what are they going to get from the Russians? Like the Chinese might show up and like build roads and infrastructure or whatever. I mean the Russians can't even do that in their own fucking country. <laughs> <laughs> they used to do it 40 years ago, not anymore. <sighs> Well, it's because all the contracts are obviously being done by Putin and his bros. Oh, like, come on. Yeah. They have better things to do, like build a, uh, the, the palace that Navalny was talking about. That I think the funniest thing about that, now that you mentioned that, is that it's never going to be completed either. It's just continuously under construction and just pieces just keep getting like built and rebuilt mm. for reasons that no one seems to know why. Oh, it's like it's like some ancient Roman project, like the fucking Domus Aurea or something. <laughs> um, I have a question. I don't know if anyone else wants to jump in with another topic. Um, 
So why is he still alive? Like, I thought Russia was good at assassinating people. So what's up with that? Yeah. I, you know what? There are so many competing theories about why there are so many botched Russian assassinations. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, there are, uh, like, when it comes to Navalny, a lot of, um, a lot of the reason why people in Russia who are anti Putin but are Navalny skeptics, a lot of the reasons that they give are because they suspect that he is, like, in on it. Like they suspect mm, that Navalny not a bad is assumption, like, just in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, I mean, Russians are very prone to conspiracy theory thinking because they've grown up in Russia, where almost <laughs> everything is a conspiracy. <laughs> um, uh, and so, like, yeah, because they they draw basically the same conclusions, which is like, well, if he was really a threat to the Kremlin, like, why isn't he dead or in jail or like? It's kind of this guy seems like Teflon, you know, like every time like the Kremlin like arrests him or roughs him up or whatever, but he's always back at the same shit a week later. Um, and given that they just like shot Nemtsov dead, it seems odd that he kind of acts. I mean not with impunity, but, like, they never really hamstring him in any significant way. Um, And, I mean, there are a number of possible explanations for that. Uh, The first is that they simply don't think they could get away with that, uh, Mm. which maybe they couldn't. Uh, The second is that they don't believe Navalny is a threat. Um, Like, they kind of, they're like, yeah, whatever, this guy is kind of, it's all theater. And they, they would probably be right if they thought that. Like, I don't think that, he is able to command like russians are so skeptical of the concept of any kind of change like i think you're you're basically waiting for putin to die really before you're going to see a significant shift there um Mm. but and then the other question is when there are when they're with this recent uh assassination attempt on navalny is like uh who did it and why um and I think that it's like probable that the order came from the top, but you're never going to know. Like, it's quite possible that it came from somewhere in the middle. And once again, the top is like, for fuck's sake. And, you know, there's some quiet like head rolling going on in the FSB about that, but you'll never find out. Um, and like, I think that, as I said before, that goes for a lot of the assassinations around the world. Like, you're ne- they're all traced back to the Russian state infrastructure, but in terms of who is actually okaying what, it's almost impossible to say because it's so chaotic. There are so many people jockeying for position because Putin very deliberately instituted a system where all of the big players hate each other, um, which prevents them from conspiring against him, basically. Team of rivals. Damn. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's some, you know, that's, I'm about to say galaxy brain, but that's actually just smart. <laughs> yeah, it, it regularly happens in in Russia that like uh, people who kind of get in trouble because they've fallen into the sights of someone. I read some story about a woman who had her business stolen by the guy who was in charge of the, uh, I think the narcotics police or just the regular Moscow police, something like that. Um, who managed to like he put her in jail on some like trumped up narcotics charge by ma- she ran a chemical company. And they made the chemical that she manufactured illegal for like an hour and then arrested her in that hour and then made it legal again. And while she was in jail, turned all the ownership of her uh, company over to like him and his friends. 
and she ended up getting released from jail, but only because the F the head of the FSB who hated that fucking guy started investigating it because he wanted to take him down so that he could like muscle in on his operation. Um, and so it was like this woman who's like kind of like anti Putin or whatever, who has this unlikely ally in this like head of the FSB, who's like a huge Putin guy, but just happens to hate the guy who was after her. It's like yeah. it, baffling the way it works. You've made like such a network where the logic of the enemy of my enemy is my friend means that everyone's your friend and everyone's your enemy. Exactly, yes. All right, yeah. So this is the other story of this week beyond the Navalny stuff, which is the anti-lockdown riots that have been occurring like night after night in the Netherlands. Um, oh, shit. Which... I've heard about this, but I have not heard any details. So yeah, it's very <laughs> under the radar from like, I don't know, like on mm. the Twitter sphere. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's um mainly from like my like Dutch comrade friends who are just like, yeah, Dutch Twitter is cursed because no one can decide if this is good or not. Um, <laughs> so like the riot started when a nighttime curfew was introduced from like nine p.m. to four thirty a.m. First one um, since the Nazi occupation. Everyone seems to point out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, this yeah. Is, again, where cursed Dutch discourse <laughs> like oh, comes incredible. into play. Uh, we found um, a way around it. If you go out in blackfish, no one can cheat you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is why we need Milo for this. Um, the 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 okay. So it's also we're putting out that like if you break curfew, it's a ninety five euro fine, like which is mm-hmm. steep enough. But it's okay. It gets worse. So uh, mayors have announced like they're going to implement uh, emergency measures to get rid of these riots. Um, weirdly even though the riots have like this you know dutch QAnon, anti-vax anti-corona kind of like Mm. vibe to them initially um the dutch media like the dutch alt-right people like theory baudet and geert wilders are all kind of like saying this is racialized and immigrants are doing this and the riots are bad um even though the rioters are probably like theory baudet voters Mm. which like i understand you have to point it out but like that's no different than like at the Capitol riot where they're like, yeah, actually it was Antifa. <laughs> like, yeah, and, like the yeah. first moment they can be like, cause, cause they also hang their hat on the, uh, that they are the most anti-lockdown. And so they're in mm. the first moment, I, I don't know if they mentioned the riot specifically, but they're like, yeah, the people rise up. And then it's like, yeah, actually it's all the, you know, uh, you know, Surinese cursed immigrants doing it. Yeah. 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 My favorite part mm. about that Capitol thing too, are like those funny videos of the people who were like, like, uh, the not blue lives matter people like so they had like the people who were like congratulate like thanks brother for doing your job and there's like these like handful of people who are like no nah, dude a cab fuck these guys <laughs> and, yeah it was it was just uh, like i mean yeah that seems like it was like eight months ago but um yeah mm. what a sweet pearl that happened like still in this month a guy well, who so- was turned a cab by the Mueller investigation of trump <laughs> <laughs> Well, a similar like w- like similar Dutch cursed Twitter discourse was also just like because a lot of footage came out of you know everyone's out after curfew. It's meant to be a ninety five euro fine, but instead the Dutch police, in their infinite wisdom, are like running people on the bikes off the road in their cars and like pinning people to the walls and the grounds and beating the shit out of them for breaking curfew, a ninety five euro fine offense. So it's like. Uh, yeah, but then people are like, oh, the liberal response in the Netherlands is like, oh, they're breaking, you know, it's like the Fauci worship thing of like, oh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they gave that person who was beaten to shit gave, personally gave my grandmother Corona kind of thing. And they feel very victimized by it and whatnot. 
Um, but here is where the shit gets a little off the rails and veers into cursed trash future territory. Okay. Uh, well, we love to see that. Yeah. Uh, in Rotterdam and Maastricht, groups of football supporters have offered to keep the peace and form citizens' patrols. Oh, no. Dutch Baz. <laughs> Dutch. Oh, yeah. It goes even further. Because Lush stability later- ate the immigrant shimple ash. Because <laughs> it even gets added further that a bunch of Dutch farmers have also joined in the citizens' patrols. No fucking way, pitchfork guys. Yeah. Pitchfork guys, basically, or like Dutch farmers, which are basically just landowners, like landlord <laughs> landlords who tenants are like pigs rather than people. Um, so that's basically the vibe. The many of the football clubs around the country had orange vests on which is like a restricted sale, like sold item in the Netherlands and local authorities and the police are like, we don't know where they're getting the orange, like high vis vests from. Okay. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the, is it just the like har- how the, uh, yeah. Like where did the, where did those, those, you know, missing munitions in Germany go? How did they go missing? You know? Yeah. Where did all these like giant rockets in Italy come from? Like, where, <laughs> that one I'm actually, you know, that I, we may not actually know, Kieran. We love a big <laughs> rocket. It looks like a dick. <laughs> I um, buried 50,000 orange vests under my parents' car dealership. On Thursday night, we go dig them up. That's right. <laughs> Me, you, and Beppe Grillo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the various hardcores like, of like various football club fan pages and whatnot on Facebook mm. were like posting messages... Um, on the riots to we hope the police find you before we do so normal stuff huh (laughs) because if we find you we will have no idea what to do honestly like we're not trained for this (laughs) (laughs) uh while some officials scramble to make it clear they didn't support this uh some police officers and the mayor of a town called alkmaar who used to be the former leader of the dutch socialists Mm. uh the center left party were like yeah this is cool and good actually the like roaming militias of footballers and farmers yeah, an unlikely coalition of footballers and farmers. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Um, the football clubs in particular, g- like, they haven't been able to do anything. Like, they haven't seen their boys. Yeah, they haven't been able to go yell so outside the... Yeah. I don't know what they do at their at, at the games. Exactly yeah. that, Rob. That's You 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 nailed it on the head. Exactly. They've been streaming the inside and hog. They've been the in hiding for too hog. long. They're looking. For, they're 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 scrapping for a scratch. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's they're ready the, to honk it, some bow. They are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, like general distrust of the police is also occurring right now amongst like every side of the political spectrum in the Netherlands. After the the slags from Den Haag, the chief of police of the Hague, um, after all of this, like when the riots started posted a photo of like some locals had sent in a bouquet of tulips proud dutch flower mm. um to say like oh look we've got community support everyone loves the police here and didn't manage to take down in the background of the photo a giant banner that they had in the police offices that said nos equals fake news nos being like the dutch bbc oh i thought it was like, like nitrous oxide oh, like they're amazing. all real big fast and furious fans yeah, 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 yeah. they're all just really it's into like, whippets it's it's big too. Like if you see the photo, it's like I don't know where there'd be like fire. a big team. Like where I don't know they have all their like oh here's the synergy board for today. You know what are our goals for this week? <laughs> Just all caps. <laughs> NOS equals fake news. 
cops are so fascinating to me because like you know they are they are public servants and as much as we hate cops like they are like they're government employees right and yet they Mm. they just do this shit like in their fucking like office which is like government property and they just put out stuff like yeah we're just gonna put this big nazi mural up in the police station like how do you think you're gonna get away with that one do you think no one's gonna notice that in a government building like at some point i just uh, i put it into the chat well, so people can see the lovely picture the, um, of tulips the job like a key component of the job is that kind of job security like yeah they can know who cares <laughs> I mean, they've yeah. kind of, like I mean, like in the U.S., they've just been like mask off about it, and in Germany, it's just kind of like the state just turns a massive, you know, blind eye to the, you know, yeah. shit that cops get away with here. So I'm pretty mm. sure in the Netherlands, it's no different. Well, sure, like Vandalin had that whole job of like inspecting the various like army bases of the Bundeswehr of the like of the German army, and they were just like, no, 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 that's a that's a load bearing Nazi poster. Oh yeah, uh, we, <laughs> we, uh, you know, Erwin Rommel barracks, whatever the fuck it was called, or some yeah, shit yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that was unfortunate. They couldn't actually. The Nazis put it up, uh, and then by the time they went to take it down, it had become load bearing, so they couldn't. <laughs> they couldn't it. That's a shame. We'd oh, love to take down this Nazi poster, but unfortunately, if we do, the ceiling will collapse. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so that's that's what's been happening in the Netherlands—just roaming bands of um, farmers and like football hardcore people. Um, you hate to see it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting because it seems like it's on the downswing. We're recording this Friday night, so maybe by mm. Monday, when you're listening to this, it'll be long gone. Um, the past two days didn't have any major events, apparently, but some small. Yeah. Uh, um, things in Rotterdam, a theater was set on fire uh, the uh, two days ago. Um, seems like yesterday, nothing really happened. But the dynamic is—it's definitely not something unique to the Netherlands, right? Like some people are like the the right wing, or I don't even know if he, the mix of the right wing and Q and uh, like Kvadenka are going to take to the streets in other countries in Europe soon because Corona is not getting any better. And what's yeah. what's going to be the dynamic? You know, this is kind of interesting way of playing out. Where first it's like, yeah, the people are standing up. Oh, now it's all the people we hate. It's their fault, and uh, we're here to like keep control. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like from Britain, because I think uh, the British are like the laziest people in Europe when it comes to any kind of protest. So, like, I mean, we definitely do have our like anti-lockdown wingnuts here, but they they tend to be like quite establishment people, most of whom have newspaper columns. Um, <laughs> and like, we were reading, I think it was Alison Pearson, who was just like a fucking like th- the meme of the person sitting on the throne made out of her own brain. Like, that's her. Um, <laughs> And she was she wrote this whole column where she was just getting mad about the news. And she was like, yeah, I like I find it really offensive that the news is always reporting that all these people are dying from coronavirus. Like, we just need to get over it. And it's like, wait, are you like she wasn't even really saying that it was like lies. She was just saying like, yeah, I don't care. We should reopen everything. A hundred thousand yeah. people are dead. That's fine. They should have died. Just turn it into like, just turn it into traffic accidents, basically. Just don't report about it. It makes me too upset, and it makes me question how society is structured, and I don't like it. No, I like the way society is structured. Stop making me question it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like there's this. This is the second thing that's been happening 
in like the low countries or whatever that like just mm. co- went completely unreported because i think two weeks ago on the show we talked about the fact that they um like rioters in brussels set a like belgian police station on fire cool so like yeah, yeah like no one heard about that <laughs> Well, it's been, I would say it's been reported. It's just not in, and I'm not as much into like the Dutch Twitter, but it's not like a big thing blowing up across the European, mm. like yeah, yeah, yeah. left Twitter. Like, oh, what's going on? It's like, you know, something's really going down. It seems like, like if you Google it, you can get your share of BBC, Deutsche Welle, Al Jazeera reporting on it. But like, mm. then it just becomes like this background, like people don't read the news. They're just scrolling through their Twitter and seeing what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And no I'd one cares about Belgium until the pissing little boy statue gets stolen. Then it will be front page. <laughs> well, he shouldn't have been involved in all that shit in the Congo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it out of shot is what he's pissing on. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> right. Uh, and that's everything I had on the Netherlands and uh, yeah. the, the general Dutch riots. Coming soon to a country near you. Probably, Ooh. yeah. Uh, Dutch people have an outside influence on like global Q. That's another thing I found out recently. Global, global Q. That's, that's awesome. On global Q and on shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. they made some of the European elements. Ele- European elements of Q and on is going to be uh, some more. Expect more content about Q in the coming in the coming weeks and months. Oh, on, on our program too. Anyone have anything they want to shout out or well, except Milo? Check out Milo on yeah. I don't know check Twitter Milo, and his podcast. Yeah. Please do, yeah. Check out check yeah. out my Twitter. I've got a new podcast called Masters of Our Domain. That's about mm. uh, it's like a riff show loosely based around Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So if you like Seinfeld or if you hate Seinfeld, either way, it doesn't matter. Listen to that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what does that mean? About do you talk about the show or do you like build we, on the every characters? every time we have a guest and we talk about an episode of Seinfeld that we've watched for the show? But it's like it we we discuss it in like the loosest. T- the running joke is to see how little we can actually talk about Seinfeld during the podcast. And I think our record so far was like about 10 minutes of an hour and 15 minutes show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. What episodes have you talked about or not talked about? Uh, we're doing them in maybe. order. So we've, we're up to like uh, season two of episodes. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Season two, episode two now, I think. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So uh, yeah, listeners of that, check out Milo on Masters of Our Domain uh, and yeah. also check out Trash Future. You probably already know Trash Future. Please do. Uh, if you're a Ukrainian nationalist, just have a conversation with Milo. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At me, DM me. Uh, talk to me about how I'm a war criminal. <laughs> All great cop- topics of conversation. And with that, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Bye, Peace. guys.